Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And Rick, here it is, one year. Uh, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's passing, our father, and one year that we have carried on the program. Now, uh, this is not going to be a program where we memorialize him. We've done that in the past and uh, that first week after his passing. And uh, so many things have happened. I mean, I got COVID. I was gone. You had to carry the program on by yourself. Uh, we have carried on and uh, initially just... Uh, going back to our broadcast partners and talking to them. And that's what we're going to do today. Also, we're going to ask them what uh, the ministry of Prophecy Today weekend, and specifically our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and the impact of teaching Bible prophecy and his passion had on their lives and their ministries. And I'm looking forward to today's program. You're right, Jimmy. He didn't want to be memorialized. And so we're not necessarily going to do that. We're going to talk to our broadcast partners about current events and how they relate to Bible prophecy as we normally do. But his study of God's Word and his insistence uh, to the absolute adherence of biblical authority, of determining what the Bible says, and then using that to help us live our lives, to motivate us. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to carry on the program like we have been, and we're also going to remember Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, our father. Yes, in the first uh, segment, we'll have Ken Timmerman and David Dolan, and then Dr. Richard Schmidt will be on uh, Pastor Jeff LeBorg will be here on the program talking about the impact and as a pastor of uh, teaching Bible prophecy, the importance of doing that. R.C. Murrow will be joining with us. We'll have, of course, the Legacy Series. And then at the very end of the program today, our look at the book, we're going to talk about the devotion that uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung shared with his wife uh, that week that before his passing as he was in the hospital. Well, let's get started with today's program. Ken Timmerman comes and joins us and gives us the latest on geopolitical events in the world. Ken Timmerman joins us. He's our expert on geopolitical affairs. He's an in-demand uh, pundit and journalist. Ken, thank you so much for taking the time today to be with us. Thanks for having me on, Rick. It is always a pleasure. Well, Ken, there's a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about today. But the first thing I'd like to talk to you about, and, and I'd say uh, maybe uh, uh, several weeks ago or a month ago, you broke on this program talking about Iran and plots that they had in place to assassinate uh, American actors, American politicians, and American officials. And just this week, we saw that actually happen. Um, an Iranian man was arrested and charged in a plot to assassinate John Bolton. Can you talk about this? Uh, yes, I can. And it is something I have indeed been following for quite some time. The Iranians are seeking revenge for the assassination of Qasem Soleimani, the chief terrorist of the Quds Force. Uh, we got him at Baghdad Airport uh, on January 2nd, 2020. Donald Trump was proudly declared responsibility for that. And Mike Pompeo did as well. Now the Iranians, ever since actually, the Iranians have been uh, calling for the uh, retaliatory murders of American officials. In January, they published a video from the Supreme Leader's office showing exactly how they would assassinate President Trump at his West Palm Beach golf club. Uh, it was pretty extraordinary, using drones and remote-controlled weapons. The FBI claimed that it was taking these things seriously. I saw no evidence of that. 
earlier this year in April, they arrested two men, one of them Iranian, the other Pakistani, who had the perfect profile of Quds Force operatives. This is what I wrote about uh, a couple of months ago. And the judge in the case uh, released them from custody uh, just a couple days later saying, well, the evidence against them, the massive arsenal they were found with, the fact that they had uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, identification cards, that they were able to penetrate DHS, their classified email system, that they were in communication with Secret Service agents on the presidential detail, and much, much more. The judge found that this was not particularly important or posed a significant threat. Uh, so uh, the FBI has not had not been, in my view, uh, very proactive on this recent events in this past week and their announcement of the assassination plot against John Bolton suggests that they are starting to wake up, especially as they see these plots uh, get further along, closer to fruition. Of course, this all comes against the backdrop of the fact that we are negotiating right now with Iran to revive the nuclear deal. And in fact, uh, Iran says they may even accept a European Union proposal that just came out. Well, be careful what you wish for here, Rick, and be careful of exactly how the Iranians phrase this. They say that we will accept a European proposal if, and then they recite their three demands, which have remained unchanged uh, since 2018 when Donald Trump pulled out of the agreement. The three demands are that there be no more IAEA, International Atomic Energy Agency, verification of their um, previous actions where they were found in violation uh, doing things that suggest that they have a clandestine nuclear weapons program. So stop that kind of verification. Uh, the, the second one is uh, lift all of the sanctions. Well, the U.S. is doing a lot of that now. And the third is what they call uh, guarantees. And what they want is uh, to prevent a future President Donald Trump from doing what he did in 2018 and pulling out of the deal. Of course, mm. that's not going to happen. Because the only way the United States could provide such a guarantee would be if this deal were a treaty ratified by two thirds of the Senate. Uh, we know that is never going to happen when even Chuck Schumer is against it. Uh, so uh, the Iranians are pipe dreaming. I think the European Union, who claims that the deal they negotiated is now writ in stone, they're pipe dreaming as well. Well, you talked last week about how possibly uh, the United States and even New York uh, would be uh, a target of uh, an Iranian uh, nuclear weapon of mass destruction. But really, the people who most likely have the most to fear are the Israelis. And there's an interesting report coming out this week. The new temporary prime minister, Yair Lapid, kind of let the worst kept secret out of the bag when he basically in a series of speeches talked about how Israel may be a nuclear power. And so is that a policy change? Is that something that he did accidentally? And if he did, why did he do it? I, I don't think it's a policy change, and I don't think he did it accidentally. Uh, he talked about Israel's other capabilities. But let me be clear about one thing, Rick, uh, is it it's not uh, me or other American analysts or even European analysts who talked about an Iranian nuclear threat to the city of New York. It was the Iranians themselves, and that is what was mm. truly extraordinary. Mm. It was the Iranians themselves who threatened New York with a nuclear weapon from Iran. So that is a massive, massive escalation mm. on the part of the Iranians. Uh, as for Lapid, he was just, I think, trying to distinguish himself from Benjamin Netanyahu and other uh, Israeli politicians when he talked about how Israel defend, could defend itself 
with its defensive capabilities and then its other capabilities. Okay, so is this a code word for its nuclear weapons? Sure. Uh, is is it a secret that Israel has nuclear weapons? No. <laughs> One former prime minister who even mentioned Israel's nuclear arsenal, and then he took it back uh, uh, a couple of hours later. Uh, look, this is what the French would call a secret de polichinelle. It's a secret that everybody knows. <laughs> so I am not particularly concerned about uh, what Yair Lapid uh, said this past week. Well, just uh, yesterday in the morning, I happened to catch you on Newsmax, Ken. You were talking about your new book. And I think I've told you a hundred times with your uh, wealth of experience and all the things that you've done, you need to write a book. And you have. <laughs> it's, it's called And the Rest is History, Tales of Hostages, Arms Dealers, Dirty Tricks, and Spies. And uh, the hostage was me, the arms dealer was me, and the spy was me. I tell the story of how I became became an Israeli spy, for real. Hmm. And uh, it didn't last for that long, but it was a real operation in the field with Mossad safe houses uh, and uh, a covert uh, counter-surveillance protecting me during this operation, led by an extraordinary agent runner and an extraordinary Israeli Uri Lubrani, who became a deep personal friend of mine for several decades after this particular incident took place. You can go to my website, KenTimmerman.com. You'll, you'll see the book up there and the rest is history. It's a real-life adventure story. Well, I certainly can't wait to read it. Uh, you've given me a little taste of what it's going to have in it, and I am certainly excited. Another person I know who would have been very excited to read it is my father, uh, the late Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, the man who was behind this mic for so many years, and you were a broadcast partner with him. We uh, are not spending our whole show talking about the anniversary of Dad's passing, which would be Monday, August 15th, but uh, we did want to remember him. Obviously, uh, our family is definitely remembering our dad at this time, but for the listeners, quite a few have reached out to us, so we w just wanted to give our broadcast partners a chance, personal recollections, anything you'd like to say uh, as we remember him at this time. Well, you know, your dad and I had a relationship uh, a remote relationship for, gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It went on for a long time. And we only met each other face to face a couple of years before his death. He uh, came to Florida to do what he did uh, regularly, which was to visit churches and teach about Bible prophecy. And he was only three hours down the coast from where I live up in Northeast Florida. And I said, hey, why don't we get together for lunch and split the difference? So we drove down to Palm Coast and he drove up to Palm Coast. He went to this wonderful Portuguese restaurant. And uh, the most um, amusing thing about having lunch with your dad, of course, me being a French speaking cheese eating uh, <laughs> surrender monkey uh, who drinks wine was, uh, you know, what wine to drink at lunch? And dad said, oh, no, 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 no. Just it, it was grape juice. It was not wine. I said, so sometimes. Your dad and I could have uh, uh, share good jokes <laughs> together and good times together. And, and by the way, that was also the first time I met your mom, Judy, who was an absolutely gracious and wonderful person. And I learned mm -hmm. uh, accompanied him on all of these road trips mm -hmm. that they met. They were real road warriors traveling around the country all the time. Well, they certainly were. And Ken, I appreciate the relationship you had with our father. I appreciate the relationship with you have with Prophecy Today. And thank you again. Well, we appreciate you being with us today, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Rick. It is always a pleasure.
God bless. Thanks, Rick. That was Ken Timmerman, and uh, he's talking about geopolitical events that are setting up events that will take place in the future, prophetic events in the future. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, David Dolan with our Middle East News Update, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Sri Lanka's former president hides behind diplomacy as people in his country starve. He's using a diplomatic passport to bypass visa laws. Meanwhile, desperation grows in Sri Lanka as millions lack reliable access to food. International Media Ministries partners want to share Christ in word and deed, but they need the Lord to open some doors. Ask God to give believers favor with authorities so they can distribute food aid and the hope of Jesus. In other news, a young man receiving vocational training in North Africa was depressed and angry and carrying a lethal weapon. Gospel workers helped by Christian Aid Mission say you could tell Ahmed was heavy-hearted just by looking at him. One night, he heard preaching on forgiveness that led him to reveal that he was carrying a weapon. Find out what happened next at missionnews.org and ask the Lord to encourage gospel workers in North Africa who are risking everything for Christ. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. We usually take this second segment to look at the Middle East, Israel in particular, but really the entire Middle East, and we call it our Middle East News Update. To do that with us, we have Dave Dolan today, a journalist and prophecy teacher that lived in Israel for 30 years. So Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be with you. It's uh, hot up here again, but uh, I've got the air conditioning on, so that's well, good. Well, stay comfortable there, uh, but when you talk about the heat, there was a lot of heat last week when we were on this program, and we were basically reporting about the start of the hostilities between uh, the Palestinians in Gaza and Israel, and rockets were, were being launched, and Israel was doing what they needed to do to protect themselves. Can you let us know what happened? We have a ceasefire now. How did that ceasefire come about? Well, Rick, as we said, it began with the arrest of an Islamic Jihad uh, leader in northern Samaria earlier in the week, and as a result of that, their leaders in Gaza and in Damascus, and actually their overall leader was in Iran at the time, they were all threatening re retaliation, that they would uh, launch rockets and they would launch missiles. Israel got specific intelligence that anti-tank uh, rockets were being planned to be fired at civilian buses along the Gaza Strip, which could kill 40, 50 people in, in an instant. So um, Prime Minister Lapid and Defense Minister Gantz made the decision to preempt that. 
And last Friday afternoon, they struck in northern Gaza and killed the overall commander of the military forces there for Palestinian Islamic Jihad. They killed him in the first strike. Later on, they got another southern uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader. He was killed. The overall four uh, were taken out during the operation. It lasted only three days. That's the shortest uh, serious conflict that we've had since the Hamas movement took over Gaza in 2007. We've had four of them. And uh, the important ingredient, we discussed it a bit last week, Hamas itself that rules Gaza did not join in fighting. Had they done so, and it was expected that they might, it would have gone on much longer. It would have been much more destructive to both sides. And that's apparently what caused the Hamas leaders to hold back, is they are very much still licking their wounds from last year's 11-day war that was uh, led by Hamas and uh, focused on Hamas. So they stayed out of it, and that uh, meant that after over a 1,000 Islamic Jihad rockets were fired into Israel on Sunday night after heavy Egyptian mediation to try to bring the conflict to an end, a deal was struck. The Islamic Jihad leaders said that as part of that, this arrested leader in northern Samaria would be released. They said that was what they were promised by the Israelis. The Israelis said, no, we made no such promise, nor do we intend to release him. So frankly, Rick, there is pins and needles again, and people are thinking that this whole thing may start up again if uh, Islamic Jihad carries out their fresh threats now in the last few days to resume attacks against Israel. So we'll see what happens. But it's seen in Israel as a great success, frankly. They got the targets they wanted. They really decimated uh, the group that is, as we've said, Iran's main proxy force amongst the Palestinians. They set them back uh, many, many months, if not years. And uh, that's important. And um, Prime Minister Lapid is, of course, crowing about it. And many say he should. He took the ultimate decision, uh, criticism that he didn't bring in the security cabinet to back it up. But of course, Benny Gantz, the defense minister, was very much involved and the chief of staff and others. So uh, it's over for now, and we hope it will remain that way. But again, uh, a little bit tense still. Well, switch gears from that and hopefully that this particular hostility and this flare-up is relegated to history now. Let's move on and talk about Tisha B'Av. I know this week uh, that was a time when the Jewish people mourn for the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. And it's annually a time where a lot of Jewish people get together uh, and try to go up onto the Temple Mount. And it looks like it's not just religious Jews or the ultra-Orthodox, the ultra-religious Jews, that are going, but the whole country is interested in the Temple Mount right now. Well, indeed, Rick, and the officials at the Jewish agency announced that 2,201 Jews visited the Temple Mount last Sunday on Tisha B'Av. That is a record for a one-day visit. According to the status quo agreement, Jews are allowed to go up onto the Temple Mount on Jewish 
religious holidays. Of course, if they don't clash with Muslim ones, and that's what happened earlier in the Ramadan clashes we had, but they went up there, and as you say, not all of them were religious Jews, many just secular Jews. They, they want to see. I mean, here is a world-class historic building and site, it's not just one building, as you know, compound, been there, you know, many, many uh, hundreds of years, uh, well over a thousand years, and the ancient Jewish temples were up there, and there's still artifacts and, and stones and all sorts of things. Tourists are tourists. If you live in Jerusalem and you're Jewish and you've never been up there, well, why? You would want to go up there and just look around. And now that they've loosened the rules a little bit and more Jews are being allowed up, people are taking advantage of that. But still a majority were Orthodox Jews because that is a, a religious holiday, basically memorial, really, because, of course, it commemorates the destruction of the two temples that were up there. That's the main things that it marks. So it it's the destination to go to. And uh, there was protests from the Palestinians, and we heard the Egyptians and others made statements against it, but uh, they went there. It was peaceful. They came down, and um, it's, uh, as you say, a show that the interest in that site is growing, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Well, David, that's a great report to hear about the Temple Mount record number of visitors. Well, David, my final uh, thoughts to you. We're going to mark the anniversary in a few days of uh, the year since the passing of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, my father, the man who sat behind this mic for so many years. But I'm just wondering if there's anything you'd like to say, especially about Dad's commitment to sharing Bible prophecy. I know you feel the same way, and and you do quite a bit of that yourself, and you're on the program with us every week. Is there anything you wanted to say about Dad and about his commitment to making sure that people understand where we are in God's prophetic timeline? Well, Rick, we definitely shared uh, the same heart for the importance of prophecy, uh, the fact that it is central throughout the Bible, and the fact that it is ignored uh, by much of the church and has been over the centuries. So we both shared that. We didn't agree on every point of, uh, you know, eschatology, like anybody would. Um, We talked about it, but for the most part, we did. And the overall thrust of what he was doing, I was very supportive of, and I think all your listeners, too, uh, to educate us about these things and to look at what the prophets wrote and said, including Jesus, including Moses. We don't think of them as prophets primarily, but they were. And to see how it applies to us today, of course, being a journalist, I've said it on this program, many others, that I've been reporting biblical prophecy coming true for a national secular network, CBS, and especially the opening of Russia, the immigration from Russia, I will say to the North, give them up, and to the South, do not hold them back. And that was the same time as the Russians were coming from the North, Ethiopians were starting to come from the South into Israel, and I did dozens of news reports on that, you know, without commenting on the prophetic implications, but I was able to do that part of it on your dad's program and on it's your program now it's uh, wonderful that you're continuing it and um and i always loved doing that and your dad always loved having that sort of feedback as well and uh you know it's exciting because it's terrible in the meantime there's tribulation and there's wars and there's mm-hmm. crises and famines and earthquakes but the lord comes back to rule and reign at the end of this end time And uh, that's something to always keep foremost in our mind. The darker the days get, and I think we can all agree they're definitely getting that way, 
uh, the more we need that light in front of us. And your dad kept that light going and you're replaying his legacy talks and and the program's continuing and his books and tapes and everything is still out there. So he's still preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. even though he's, he's with the Lord. And as we were talking personally before we recorded, before we came on the air, that uh, he is with the Lord and in a much better place mm-hmm. than we are. And so we're sad to see him go, but uh, he lived a good long life. And and um, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, amen, Dave. And, and it is. And he is. We do have that hope. We know that he is in a better place. I appreciate the kind words. And it's great to hear that about my father. And, and again, we are continuing to carry the good news. The good news, we know that things look bleak right now, but we are carrying on the good news that we have read the last chapter. We know what's going to happen. We can feel confident. Prophecy was fulfilled in the past exactly as written, and the prophecy in the future will be fulfilled as well. Gives me confidence, gives me hopes for the future. Well, thank you for all these years, David, for being on the show, both with my father and now with Jimmy and myself. We appreciate what you do, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. As you know, I'm glad to do it. God bless. Thanks, Rick. And David Dolan, what a great interview. I first worked with David back in Israel, Jerusalem, in 1984. We worked together as journalists there. And we have been focusing on the Jewish people because we understand that God is not finished, according to Bible prophecy, with the Jews. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Dr. Richard Schmidt, Dr. Jeff Laborg, and R.C. Merle here on the program. Prophecy Today Weekend. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung Jr. here along with my brother Rick. We've been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. This is, as we said at the outset of the program, that we are trying to not necessarily memorialized, but we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of our father's homegoing, the passion that he had for teaching Bible prophecy, the reason why we are carrying on this program. So today on the program, we're looking and talking to his friends that uh, he, along with him, they had a passion also for teaching Bible prophecy. And one of dad's great friends is Dr. Richard Schmidt. Dr. Schmidt, welcome to the program today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to being able to express my love for your dad today. Dr. Schmidt, I know that as as today, you know, we're we're thinking about this. One of the things that dad did, he tried to instill the importance of studying Bible prophecy. In your words, why is it important that we continue to study Bible prophecy? 
Well, it's absolutely essential. When you just look at the Word of God, you find out that there's one-third of the Bible is prophecy. One-third, which there, uh, Dr. John Walvert had put out a book called Every Prophecy of the Bible, 1,000 different prophecies in the Bible. Uh, your dad would quote that on occasion. 500 of those prophecies have come to pass exactly as stating, meaning there's 500 more prophecies that have not been fulfilled. It's absolutely essential for people in the church age to understanding not only the past and the present, but what is going to happen in the prophetic future. When we uh, look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, which me and you have talked about multiple times, it talks about what is going to be happening in these last days as we're preparing for the rapture of the church when Jesus Christ is going to return. The Bible is just absolutely filled with things that are taking place, prophecy that uh, is not been fulfilled yet, but God has been, and I love what your dad said, and you say it now, God has been setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. So it's uh, we know that there's going to be perilous times. Why? Because the prophetic word tells us those things, uh, things that are so important and that is so discounted today, things such as uh, the Jewish people being brought back to mm. Israel, the stage being set for the third temple to be built in Israel, things that are taking place around the world with uh, the Middle East, with Russia, with China, all part of God's prophetic word from multiple different passages. So not to study God's word is to literally miss out everything that God is doing in this present time that is setting the stage for not only the prophetic word to be fulfilled, but showing how close we are to when Jesus Christ is coming back to take us, the body of Christ, his church, home to be with him. So studying Bible prophecy is essential for every single Christian. You know what? I uh, have been uh, just heard a sermon of yours, and we've been playing in our on our network about uh, uh, the state of the church uh, or the state of Bible teaching in today's church, really, and to us, about the state of Bible teaching in today's church. Well, Dr. DeYoung, this is one of the heartaches that I think your dad, as well as you and I, are seeing around the country and around the world. We're getting away from the, the church as a whole, is getting away from teaching prophecy. They're going into what's now known as covenant theology, which basically says there is no prophetic truth, if you will. Everything is allegorized and spiritualized. Things such as the rapture, the tribulation, the millennial kingdom, all these things in about, as uh, Dr. Thomas Isis said, uh, based on his research, about 60% of all fundamental Bible-believing churches are now denying the literal mm. interpretation of the Bible. Wow. That's that's just an absolute disaster that's happening in our churches today. What else does that breed? It breeds a, a replacement theology stating the church has replaced Israel, that Israel is no longer a, a mainstay, if you will, that God has dismissed Israel. Well, that replacement theology, also known as supersessionist theology, kingdom now theology, all of these things are destroying the literal interpretation, the fancy word, the uh, uh, hermeneutic, if you will, the literal mm -hmm. interpretation of the Bible in context, 
in historical and grammatical context has is being destroyed. So unfortunately, uh, we're becoming, those of us who believe in a literal interpretation of the scriptures, even among Bible-believing churches, is becoming uh, anemic. It, it's just horrible what's taking place. And this is one of the main reasons why today uh, people like you, those ministries that hold to a biblical hermeneutic, a biblical interpretation, literal interpretation of the Bible, We've got to keep this going. We've got to press harder than we've ever pressed before, as unfortunately the church is taking a turn towards these allegorical doctrinal stands. Now, I know, Dr. Schmidt, you've been uh, the sheriff of Milwaukee. You've been involved in politics. Uh, You've done so much in your life, and now you're the pastor of a great church there outside of Milwaukee. Um, I know that my father had an impact on you. Uh, you've told me that before, but what did he m- mean to you and, and your desire to teach God's Word? Well, your dad was absolutely instrumental in mentoring me and teaching me. Your dad literally had sat down with me one of the first times I met him, and he expressed the importance of studying Bible prophecy and getting it right. Mm. He gave me a, a couple of questions, and I'd already had an earned doctorate from another uh, uh, Christian university, and he he pointed out a couple of things just immediately that got my attention. It's like, you know, your dad's absolutely right. I need to spend time with him. I need to spend time in the Word of God uh, being taught by him. So I went to uh, many classes that Dr. DeYoung taught, Uh, in basically out of Tennessee. But here's the other thing I did, and boy, I encourage folks to do this. Your dad put together many different CDs, DVD series, books that he'd done. I own, I think, every single uh, (laughs) uh, series that your dad did and the DVDs. I play them in my car over and over and over again to drill these things in my head. Your dad was just absolutely phenomenal when it came to quoting Scripture, quoting the passages, getting the address right, if you will, from the Word of God. Mm. And that just molded my preaching, uh, especially when it comes to uh, things that I do at prophecy conferences and in other venues. Uh, it's just amazing what he produced. And boy, I, I, I'm going to give you a free commercial here. People need to go to your website, wow. prophecytoday.com. They need to go to that uh, uh, the re- resource center and get those things. It is life changing. It changed my ministry, and I, I literally I owe everything I do. I'm, and I have a weekly radio, weekly TV. I preach at our church uh, almost every week, unless I'm doing a prophecy conference somewhere. All of those things are because of your dad. And as you brought up, I made that promise at his funeral to God as well as in honor of your mm-hmm. dad to make sure that we don't give up, that we don't stop preaching the prophetic word, which is absolutely essential during these last days. It sure is. And I sure appreciate your your words, your kind thoughts, and that encouragement as a son. And I'm sure those that listen to our program who knew dad feel the same way about his teachings. He had a special way of teaching. Well, as a teacher, as a student of the word, as a prophecy teacher with a biblical, a prophetic biblical worldview, I'm not asking you to, to pick a date, Dr. Schmidt, but how close do you think we are to the rapture of the church? 
Well, your your dad was <laughs> nobody uh, looked forward to Jesus Christ coming more than your dad. He was I, I knew he was absolutely convinced. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen, but he was convinced that Jesus would return mm-hmm. during his lifetime. Uh, I think at Titus chapter two verse thirteen says, "Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ." who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. I believe the Apostle Paul thought it was going to happen in his lifetime. That was 2,000 years ago. He was looking for the (laughs) imminent return of Jesus Christ. Your dad was looking for the imminent return. Me and you are looking for the imminent return. And that's the attitude I believe God wants us to have. Jesus could come back at any moment, at any time, and we've got to be ready for his appearing and being about, if you will, our Father's business until that day comes. Very well said. Thank you, Dr. Schmidt. Sure, appreciate you. And as you have exhorted us to keep edifying, educating the body of Christ, and using that, that helps us to evangelize, to understand the urgency of the hour. Thank you, Dr. Schmidt. We've got some other things to talk about in the future, how we feel the United States are going and the direction it's going. I want to get to you on that in the future, but we'll save that for a later program. Thank you, Dr. Schmidt. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and God bless. Pastor Jeff LeBorg joins us today. He's a good friend of the family, was a good friend of my father's. Uh, He's the pastor at Fairview Knox in the Knoxville area. And uh, like I said, good friend of the family, went through our school of prophets. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my, Rick. What what a privilege coming up on uh, the commemoration of your dad's homegoing. We're all very aware of it. It's uh, consciously and subconsciously part of who we are. Anyone that knew him and his life touched our lives. We we are all celebrating the fact that he's home, but we're all a little mm. bit envious that he's not here to speak wisdom in these crazy last days. That is certainly true. And I'm going to ask you, uh, before we go, maybe to bring a personal recollection about that, but if you could just tell us a bit about yourself, about the ministry at the church there. Yeah, Fairview Knox is actually a, a very old church. It was uh, founded uh, in the 1870s here in East Tennessee in the mountains. We're in the northeast part of Knox County, Tennessee, which is uh, the home of Knoxville, Tennessee. Church actually started uh, in the 1870s as Lick Skillet Baptist Church. Can you imagine that name? (laughs) I love it. Isn't that something? So we have intentionally, not disrespectfully, and, and certainly by no means have we distanced ourselves from our biblical Baptist convictions. But as contextually as the culture Uh, as evangelicalism, and specifically, uh, if I could be so brazen to say it, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in a lot of ways has moved away from the biblical moorings of a a sound hermeneutic and an understanding eschatologically of God's plan and purpose for Israel as distinguished from the church. We really felt a deep conviction. In fact, your dad, Dr. DeYoung, was a voice in my life as we began to make some decisions to identify ourselves, not so much as Baptist, which has a denominational identification in our world today. We adopted Fairview Knox because we really wanted to be able to say distinguished uh, among some of the other churches that are uh, moving into an area 
that doesn't acknowledge much of what your dad spent his life teaching. Well, and we've talked about that on this program over the last few weeks, and we talked about denominations and, and the one true church, and we mentioned this is what dad always said. Not necessarily a Baptist. Denominations aren't important. He's a Bibleist. He studies the Scripture. He studies the Bible. And that's uh, what he called himself when it came to a, a, a denomination. Well, I know that you feel very strongly about Bible prophecy, as you know we do here at Prophecy Today. And if you could, and I know you felt strongly enough to go through our School of Prophets teaching program, our master's and doctorate level teaching program. So if you could, could you just let us, uh, from your point of view, what's the importance for us today of studying Bible prophecy? Oh my goodness. It, it is the, the clarification in the midst of the chaos. If Dr. DeYoung taught me anything, he taught me that biblical prophecy, even though it is a predictive science, it, 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 that's what prophecy is. It is God's word foretelling a series of events all of which have not one has ever failed to come to pass, not one will ever fail to come to pass. But it wasn't the enticing, mystical, uh, ethereal, or even the emotional component of prophecy that I learned from your dad. I learned from him that what biblical prophecy did is it solidified our biblical conviction and confidence in the Word of God. And the closer we get, to that great getting up morning, to the gathering of the church called the rapture of the church, and the culture disintegrates, right becomes wrong, wrong becomes right, which is all of what we're watching right now. And, and I can remember your dad teaching us both at the master's level and at the PhD level, touring the Holy Land with him you know, for almost 30 days, living overseas to be immersed in the very culture, the very geography of the Bible. And I remember your dad saying, listen, there is a day coming when if you are not grounded biblically and specifically in your eschatology, you are going to be tossed to and fro by mm. every cunning, crafty wind of doctrine. And for me, as a pastor, watching people deal with a level of depression and anxiety, unlike anything I've seen in 30 years of pastoral ministry, mm. it really is biblical prophecy that is that blessed hope. Amen. I appreciate that sentiment so much. And that's essentially what we believe here as well. It's our motivation. It's what we look forward to. We know the final chapter in the book. Well, you mentioned something earlier about the church in some areas is missing it. And and I'd like you to elaborate. And of course, if you would like, if you could, if you want to, you could focus on where they're missing in eschatology, but just in general, the state of Bible teaching in today's church. Oh my. And listen, you and I both know guys that are unwavering, committed. We have mutual friends and pastors across this country, and I, I certainly don't want to in any way indict everybody across the board or pretend for a moment that, you know, we're the only one. We're, you know, sitting in a cave saying, God, there's nobody else. That is not what I mean to convey. But what we are seeing and have seen for so long, and your dad said it well, and I, I, I do default to him because of the, the impact that he had on me personally and in my life ministerially, your dad made a statement one day in class that it really is a commentary on the culture as a whole, as far as the church is concerned today. He said to us uh, in class, guys, the church today in America in general is no longer asking what is right. Mm. They are pursuing what works. Mm. And he followed that statement up by saying, we have become so pragmatic 
in order to draw the numbers in attendance that we are losing our convictions that distinguish us as Bible-believing people. That was a an awakening moment for me because I, I found in my own life I was guilty of that because in America, the church is judged by its success, and we are not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. Mm. And you're seeing more and more churches that judge themselves based on the size of their facility the capacity of their budget, the personality in the pulpit or the programs that are being offered. And that's simply foreign to the Word of God in relation to being faithful to the Word of God. That's what alarms me with a lot of pastors. We we live in a social media-driven society. We don't want to be blogged on. We don't want to be eviscerated you know, by some social media stalker it it just it grieves our heart it's a new thing for us especially those of us that are veterans in the ministry we didn't come up that way and a lot of guys have just relented and said listen i'm i'm not going to say anything controversial and if there's anything controversial in the american church it is eschatology and a lot of guys have just said it's not worth the criticism and the controversy and they have just backed away even if they have a strong conviction about eschatology, I am, you know, there's cases when I'm invited to preach in other places, and they will say to me, we know you love eschatology, you're passionate about prophecy in Israel, but we just simply would ask you not to bring that up Mm -hmm. here. And more times than not, uh, I have to decline, because your dad poured that into me at a level that even if I could acquiesce to that request, it's going to pop out of me, (laughs) and and we're going to get in trouble. (laughs) And your, your dad had such an infectious passion for the word, but he had a way of, at the same time that he was teaching you, he wasn't calling you to emulate him. He he didn't want you to follow him. Uh, I'd never met a teacher like that. We, you know, we grew up in a, in an era where we wanted to be like our heroes. We wore the suits they wore. We, we carried the kind of Bibles they carried. We, we tried to to emulate them in a way because they were our heroes. Your dad never wanted that, ever. He challenged me in ways that, I'm be candid with you, were very uncomfortable at times. (laughs) He was heavenly sandpaper, (laughs) and sometimes he was God's sledgehammer. (laughs) And he could, you know, he, he would rebuke, correct, but he always did it in loving kindness. And he brought me to a place where, I had to, not because he believed it, I had to own it, an unwavering commitment to biblical authority. He gave me an infectious love for biblical prophecy. Hmm. And his expectations on his students were not to rise to his standard. It was to walk in in that biblical passion of knowing Jesus. Hmm. And um, I had three, three degrees before I met your dad. I had three degrees from some of the largest, most lauded, applauded Christian universities and seminaries in the in the country. Hmm. I, I had the credentials. Your dad taught me you could have the credentials, but if if you don't have the passion, the love for the word, if all you got's the information and you're not walking in that revelation, you've missed it. And that's what revolutionized my life. And it'll never be the same because of your dad. Well, I certainly appreciate those thoughts. Uh, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation. As a student of Bible prophecy, uh, as a as a student of the scriptures, and as a pastor, 
we look at current events. That's what we do in this program. And we see things that are coming together that look like the rapture could happen at any moment. I just want to ask you a question. If you could let us know from your viewpoint, how close are we to the rapture of the church and what should the uh, Christian community do to prepare for that? Oh, oh, if I could borrow your dad's phrase, (laughs) he would say to us every time the stage is set, Mm. every, every character is in place and the curtain could come up before the sun sets today. Mm -hmm. And that urgency and the immediacy, the possibility that before the sun sets today, we could be in his audience, his presence Mm -hmm. was not escapism. And we are accused of that because of our, our fidelity, our passion, our loyalty, to the Word of God and specifically to the dispensational systematic approach hermeneutically, we are accused of being escapist. And your dad, you know, he was an apologetic genius when it came to making people understand he was not beholden to a a system devised by man. He yielded to the authority of a systematic approach called dispensationalism, which leaves us at this place. The number one prophetic event, the thing that sets this generation apart, soon, 75 years ago, in May of 1948, something happened that declared at that moment the tick-tock of God's prophetic clock (laughs) began to tick. Israel went to the land. And that, my dear brother, is the one thing that sets us apart (laughs) as a generation. We could be home before we hang up this phone. Oh, Gloria, I hope so. Uh, I would certainly be happy to see it. Well, thank you so much for being on there. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the recollections. And uh, Jeff, thank you not only for being on this program, but thank you for being such a good friend to our family. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank you for the privilege to be part of this commemorating of Doc's homegoing. Well, after hearing Dr. Richard Schmidt and, of course, Pastor Jeff Laborg, uh, graduates of our program, another friend of ours from our family and our ministry over the years, R.C. Murrell. He has his own ministry, his own website, prophecytracker.org. You need to go there. He's a, a, a frequent contributor to our program. Welcome to the program, R.C. Gee, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, thank you for having me on this tribute to your dad you know, and the knowledge he displayed in teaching Bible prophecy. Ah, thank you so much. And you know what? Uh, I know that you have recollections, and and, uh, really he encouraged you in the the days of your ministry. How about telling us a little bit, a little testimony about that? You know, I'm just delighted to do that. Having been a a listener to the radio broadcast for, I don't know, 15, 18 years or more, then having started Bible Prophecy 101 just a few years later, I was pretty excited to meet him in person for the first time at the Preacher of Rapture Conference in Dallas, Texas in 2011. But Jimmy, it would take several years before I had the courage to approach your dad with the idea of adding a speaker (laughs) to the program that would relate prophecy with money, since the book of Revelation has three major economic events, right? Chapters 6, 13, and 18. Mm. So to my absolute shock, after asking me some questions about my background, he said, let's give it a try. And saying he would put me on the radio the following week, I I absolutely couldn't believe it. 
Jimmy, those broadcasts turbocharged my passion for studying and follow, following current events as they relate to prophecy, which your dad and now you and Rick continue to do every week. I can't help but imagine how his thundering voice would sound today to the news events relating to prophecy that have happened just in the years since he went home to the Lord. Not all Bible prophecy scholars make great speakers, Jimmy, but your dad had both gifts, giving us all the challenge to live up to his passion for studying and teaching prophecy with such great enthusiasm. Thank you so much, R.C. That means so much, and I know everybody that listens uh, agrees with you. He had a passion for uh, studying and teaching Bible prophecy. Let me ask you, why is it important that we continue to do that? Well, you know, the, the events that are going on all around us, and like I said, it, it just in the, even in just the past year, are, have become so extraordinarily linked to what the prophets taught several thousand years ago that, it, you know, it, it, it just gives us a lot of, a lot of satisfaction to, to share this with people, to show them the amazing work, the amazing work of the prophets that are, that are on the full display in God's Word. As you uh, are studying and you continue to go on, uh, I know that you probably have a Bible verse that either means a lot to you about Bible prophecy or your passion for teaching. Could you share that with us? You know, I'm sure I've said this before, but, you know, some of my favorite Bible verses really relate to prophecy, like Psalm 22, things Mm -hmm. like that. Where I just, I mean, I just, they just blow me away. Uh, when I, when I first discovered Psalm 22, I, I, I was stammering. I couldn't even believe what I was reading. Um, it pierced my hands and my feet a thousand years before Christ was even born. You mm. know, I just, what do you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> besides, yeah. besides shouted from the rooftops. I Amen. Mean, uh, R.C. Morrow, thank you so much for your contributions. We do need to have a further conversation pertaining to the economic times in which we live and how that is preparing for the event of the rapture of the church and the tribulation period to follow. I look forward to talking with you in the following weeks, and thank you again for being on our program and for contributing all these years. Thank you, Jimmy. I enjoyed being with you. Well, we do have to take a break, and when we come back, the Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with Rick, we've been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And it is one year into uh, this time period where we are looking back over this time that uh, we have carried on the ministry since uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung passed, our father. Many of you have known him. Some of you are brand new to our program, and you're just now catching up on uh, what people have been listening to for years. So whether you're a new family member or you're a longtime listener, welcome back to the program. And Rick, Dr. Richard Schmidt really talked about some of the items that he used and is helping him today as he is a pastor and a prophecy teacher. Yeah, that's right, Jimmy. There's uh, several items on our website that could help you. I know when I do my quiet time, uh, I have the Bible open. I have a couple commentaries, but I always have our devotions pulled up. And for me, it's a special feeling, too, because I know Dad passed away just about a year ago, but I still get the feeling I could still hear him talking through these devotions. So it's special to me, but it also is a great way to learn something to add to kind of your arsenal of how uh, of what you're going to use to study Scripture. Um, that's on our website at prophecytoday.com. You could look at our devotions. We also have a bookstore there, and there's lots of materials there 
as you said, Dr. Schmidt has gone to our website. I know he's gotten all of our materials, some of them more than once. He might have worn them out the first time, but he's gotten all of our materials, and that's really helped him in his study. You can do the same if uh, the price or the cost of these uh, at the bookstore is a little too much. Call our office. We're committed to getting these materials out. Uh, paying for them in the bookstore helps to support our ministry, helps us to keep going every week. If you need them but you can't afford them, call our office, and we'd love to help you with that. Uh, also, if you would like to support our ministry, we could use your support, not only your financial support, but your prayers for the ministry as we continue on. Well, our legacy series as we continue, I know R.C. Merle talked about that, uh, Dr. Richard Schmidt talked about it, Pastor LeBorg talked about uh, the legacy series, hearing Dad as he taught. Uh, there's, there, there aren't that many combinations of prophecy teachers and men that know the Word and and speakers that can do both, know both Bible prophecy, be able to teach it, and be able to communicate it. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at the end of the world and when that will take place. And Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, if you go to the book of Revelation, we'll start there. He's talking about immediately after the rapture of the church, what will take place and a motivating factor for us understanding and living a pure, productive, holy life in an unholy world. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. This is how the end times are going to unfold. May I show you three quick things? Let me take just a few more moments. Go here to chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 6. In the book of Revelation, and I have a complete study, and if you're going to study Revelation, you need to study it chronologically. Don't do a study of Revelation numerically. That means chapters 1 to 22, chapter by chapter by chapter. Do it chronologically because Revelation unfolds chronologically and you must grasp how it unfolds chronologically to really understand it or it's going to be very confusing as everybody says. There are in this seven year period of time three sets of seven judgments. In the first half there's going to be seven sealed judgments. In the last half there will be seven trumpet judgments and seven vile judgments. This is chapter 6. This is chapters 8, 9, 10, excuse me, 8, 9, and 11 and this is chapter 16. You see how chronologically they unfold but not numerically. The first of the judgments is going to be a man on a white horse. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus Christ releases this seal. It's the first of the judgments. He said, and I saw the lamb open. That's Jesus Christ. One of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw him behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him. And a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. My friend, that is depicting the Antichrist. Yes, I know. Christ comes on a white horse at the end of the seven-year period of time. This is at the beginning of the seven-year period of time. This is a man on a white horse, crown on his head, bow in his hand, doesn't have any arrows because he's a man of peace at the beginning. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel 9, 27, he confirms a peace treaty between Israel and her neighbors. Hello, what is every world leader talking about? Peace in the Middle East. There's already three peace treaties on the table waiting to be confirmed. Everybody's talking about peace. And there's going to be one man who will come and accomplish it. I believe that man is alive and well on planet Earth. In the past, I have said, and I still agree with what I said, that I believe the possibility for that man of peace 
to be a man who was a former prime minister to come to power because he has a organization that is trying to bring resolution of world conflict through religion because he's the peace envoy. I can't prove he is. I, but let me tell you this. Jesus Christ in Matthew 24 said this. You want to know the first sign for me coming back? The second coming, not the rapture. The second coming. The first sign, verse 4 of chapter 24 of Matthew, deception. Verse 5, deception. Verse 11, deception. Verse 24, deception. Deception! The Bible says in Matthew 24, 24, deception will be communicated through signs, wonders, and miracles. Revelation chapter 13 says the Antichrist will perform signs, wonders, and miracles. The false prophet, another member of the satanic trinity, will cause the world to worship the beast through signs, wonders, and miracles. I think the greatest evidence that the Antichrist is about to appear is happening in our so-called churches. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Don't you believe that Jesus can perform a miracle? I believe Jesus can do whatever he wants to. I don't tell Jesus what he does. I tell you what he says. He says, this will be the scene for the Antichrist. Look at the second one. Look right here. Verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. Take peace from the earth? What do you have? War! I was speaking down in Columbus, Georgia, and I said that there were 53 worlds, world conflicts, wars going on. I was corrected by a colonel who had just graduated from the war college in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. He said there are 157 wars going on. War is rampant in our world. Jesus said, you'll see, Matthew 24, verse 6, you'll see rumors of wars and nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. A war that's going to unfold. Oh, there's the battle of Armageddon. I'm not talking about that one. That's at the end. This is early on. This is the second seal judgment. This is Ezekiel 38, Daniel chapter 11, Psalm 83. By the way, you know what Daniel 11 says? It lists the first three nations to make a move against Israel. You want to know who they are? Syria, Egypt, Libya. This last year, have we heard anything about Egypt? A radical Islamic Muslim Brotherhood element coming to power who said, we're ready. They sent out a Facebook alert. We're ready to attack the Zionist state. That's Egypt. President Bashar Assad in Syria has killed over a thousand of his people already trying to put down the opposition. The opposition, Al-Qaeda, Muslim Brotherhood, wanting to take over Syria Syria is in the north. Egypt is in the south, surrounding Israel. And then it says in Daniel 11, the third nation to move against Israel, Libya. Do you see on the horizon the three nations Bible prophecy says will make the move right after the rapture to destroy Israel? Syria, Egypt, Libya, and they're ready. Chapter 11, verse 1, and I close. Chapter 11, look at verse 1. And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel said, Rise and measure the temple of God. The word is telling us, look up here just a moment, please. The word is telling us at the midway point of the tribulation, there must be a temple in Jerusalem. Why? 
because the Antichrist controls a false religion in Rome, Italy, Revelation 17, in the first half of the tribulation period. At the end of that time, he has world leaders destroy that false church. Where does he go? To Jerusalem. What's there? A temple. What does he do? Second Thessalonians 2, 4. He walks into the temple, sets down, and claims to be God. That's the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. Jesus said, when you see that abomination, Matthew 24, 15, flee, get out of town. It's going to begin to be rough. The great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble will unfold. But there has to be a temple there. There is no temple there, but I've reported year after year after year that all the preparation, 28,000 men are studying the priestly duties. Every single implement has made the Mizrach, the item that you use to put the blood of the sacrificed animals in. They have 4,000 made out of pure gold and pure silver. The menorah, the seven-branch candle opera is there. But I, let me tell you this. This last year, I walked in on the man who started all the preparations for the third temple. I asked him two questions. What about the Sanhedrin, the 70 wise Jewish scholars? I hear they've been reformed. Is that true? He said, is it true? I am the president of the Sanhedrin. I said, I heard the priestly garments have been made. Is that true, Rabbi Kahana? He said, is it true, Jimmy, my garments are hanging in my closet, ready for me to put on and report to the Temple Mount. Everything I've just said, documented on this video. Ashes of the red heifer, everything. Do you understand? We're here. The end of the world is not next. It's a thousand and seven years from now. What's next is the rapture. When he shouts, the archangel shouts, the trump of God sounds, and boom, we leave here. And right after that, Antichrist appears. The nations, Egypt, Syria, Libya, attack. And they put the temple up. That's where we are. Into the world, long ways off. What you better be looking for is the rapture and make certain you're ready because it could happen at any moment. And having said that, how then ought we to live? Father, thank you for this awesome book. A book that is articulate. It's authoritative. It's accurate in all that it says about the end times. And we need to have this grid. Jimmy, we've heard that before. Hey, wait a minute. Is it in our mind? Do we really believe this is going to happen? Are we living in light of that? Help us as we study to realize the times in which we're living, the urgency to get missionaries out, the urgency to understand the word better and live in light of the knowledge we have for these days that we're living in now. Use our time together to prepare us to go from here, dedicated to look for you to come and live in light of that coming. My precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. We do need to look and live. Look for Jesus Christ to shout to have us join him in heaven. That's what happens at the rapture. And the rapture could happen at any moment. 
We need to live in light of our understanding of that great truth. Live expecting Jesus to call us to him at any moment. Remember, right after the rapture, the Antichrist appears. Middle East nations align themselves to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel, and the Jews will build a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Each of these events are about to happen. Therefore, the rapture could be close. Don't worry about the end of the world, but make sure that you're ready for the rapture. And do that by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Dr. Jimmy D. Young in the Legacy Series. And that is why we teach Bible prophecy. We have a DVD that we would like to offer. It's called Ready to Rebuild Revisited. It's the revisiting of our very first video, Ready to Rebuild, 20 years later, looking at what's been done to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem by the Jewish people, the Temple Institute, and all those that are interested in the temple being rebuilt. So if you would like to get that DVD for a gift of any amount, we will gladly send that to you. Just call our ministry at 423-825-6247 and ask for the special offer and that you have a gift that you would like to give Prophecy Today. You know, we need to continue this ministry that my father started. And we will give you, in return for a donation of any amount, we will give you our DVD, Ready to Rebuild, Revisited. We're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, a very special, a look at the book on this weekend's edition of Prophecy Today. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Sri Lanka's former president hides behind diplomacy as people in his country starve. He's using a diplomatic passport to bypass visa laws. Meanwhile, Desperation grows in Sri Lanka as millions lack reliable access to food. International Media Ministries partners want to share Christ in word and deed, but they need the Lord to open some doors. Ask God to give believers favor with authorities so they can distribute food aid and the hope of Jesus. In other news, a young man receiving vocational training in North Africa was depressed and angry and carrying a lethal weapon. Gospel workers helped by Christian Aid Mission say you could tell Ahmed was heavy-hearted just by looking at him. One night, he heard preaching on forgiveness that led him to reveal that he was carrying a weapon. Find out what happened next at missionnews.org and ask the Lord to encourage gospel workers in North Africa who are risking everything for Christ. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we've been examining for the last hour and a half 
current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Not only have we been doing that, we've been talking about why we teach Bible prophecy, the passion that we have, where we learned it from. <laughs> Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, uh, each one of the men talked about that. And then the state of uh, our Bible teaching today in the churches and how close that we are to the rapture. But one thing I want to close out with, Rick, and uh, this happened the last week that Dad was alive. I mean, you know, there's so many stories about COVID. Again, ours is just one of many. But we happen to be able to tell our story. And I like this last week. Mom shared this with me way back after uh, the, the event that final week. As Dad read, not only did he write the devotions, he put them together. We went through God's Word. You can go to our website, take a look at those. But this is the one that he shared with Mom that week that he was in the hospital. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And here's the, the devotion. Paul is writing a word of encouragement to those in Corinth. And Dad used to read these to Mom. So this is very important about what the time of death will bring to each of us. Most of us look at death as something to be dreaded, something to be avoided at all cost. As I remind myself, as well as reminding you also, those who are reading this devotional, that death is not the end all. It is actually the beginning, the beginning of eternity future. The apostle brings to our attention that in our present tabernacle, our present body, there is groaning. Let me stop right here. Every day as I become aware of another ache or pain that I never have experienced before, I usually spend several minutes or sometimes even several hours worrying about what the discomfort may be and what it could be become. Paul is telling us that we will one day put on a new tabernacle, a new wonderful heavenly body. Paul talks about confidence and he reminds us of where the confidence comes from. The Holy Spirit has sealed each of us into the body of Christ. It is in the earnest of the Spirit that gives us the confidence of where we are and what we will be one day. As we are alive on this earth, we are absent from the Lord, and we know that by faith, not by sight. Paul then speaks of another confidence, the confidence that we have when we die on this earth, we go directly into his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's verse 8. At death, all born-again Christians are transported by angels, Luke 16, 22, into the heavenlies and into his presence. Now reread our key verse. Until that victorious time of death, when we go into his presence, Paul says he would be ambitious and so should we be the same. Paul wanted to live a life, to do the work the Lord so that when he saw him, he would be accepted of him. That should be the same for us. When we see him, we might be accepted of him. The very next verse, verse 10, speaks of us then standing at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says that he wants to be well accepted of Christ at that time. This is a godly ambition because at the judgment seat of Christ, we are given crowns for those works we have done for the Lord in his power for his glory. Then we take these crowns and we lay them at the feet as he sits upon the throne. Revelation 4.10 In thanksgiving for all that he has done for us, we must join Paul in this godly ambition so that we can give him the glory. Rick, I remember mom telling the story that when dad read that, he said, Judy, I think that it's time that 
this is God giving me a clarity of thought that it might be my time of being carried to the heavenly by the angels. Well, Jimmy, as you read that, it's obviously very emotional mm-hmm. for us, and, and I'm sure many of the people listening, because I know so many were so affected by Dad and close. Two things that stood out to me. Uh, the first one is the hope that we have, and we, he talks about the, the new tabernacle, the heavenly body, mm. and we think about that, <laughs> we certainly do know, I mean, he was 80 when he passed away, and there were a lot of new pains and a <laughs> lot of new things that were really getting to Dad, and, uh, you know, he was he was always concerned about each one, uh, but now he has no longer those concerns, and that's a hope that all of us as believers have. But the second, uh, the second thing that stands out is uh, a life well lived. I mean, if you look at that and you talk about having an ambition to be well accepted of Christ, and you look at he put these devotionals together. He read them every day. Uh, over four hundred devotionals uh, that go starting from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and we kind of can. Kind of continue to loop them on, and Dad would add some as he was writing, but right now we have over 400 of them. This is his testimony. This is his legacy. He was able to read that uh, as he passed away. So I just, uh, Dad was certainly, for anybody that knows him, he was certainly authentic. And he authentically studied. He he lived the life to share uh, the gospel as uh, and, to, and to teach uh, from the Bible, and it's just a, this, this devotional that we read during the week that he was in the hospital, uh, the week that he passed away, but that was there to comfort us at that time is just an example, uh, an indicator of the life that he lived. Yes, it sure is. You know, he wasn't perfect. We're not saying that by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. None of us are perfect. But he did have that passion that he wanted to stand before the Lord to give his crowns, to give an account for the life that he lived, of one that was dedicated, committed to teaching what he thought. And that's hopefully what I hope that you, uh, Rick and I hope that you take away from this program today. Men that learned from him, understood his passion, are carrying on that ministry. Other people, hopefully you will. You know, we all have the ability to teach and preach and understand and teach others about God's Word, all of God's Word. I want to finish with his prayer thought that he finishes up the devotion. Help me, Lord, to live a life that will receive reward at the judgment seat of Christ so I can show thanksgiving to you for all you have done for me as I cast my crowns at your feet. Folks, understanding Bible prophecy, really the future events, helps us to live a pure, productive life in light of his coming whether it be at death when he'll be carrying us home before the rapture or at the rapture of the church. Rick, thanks so much for joining with me today. And as we remember, we ask and we pray and we commit that God will help us to continue this ministry of edifying, educating the body of Christ. Thanks, Jimmy. This was certainly a special day to be a part of the program. Folks, let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.